Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 830 on Thursday, January 18th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the chairs of the state's Medicaid legislative committees want to remove barriers that prevent pregnant women from getting timely prenatal care. Then a name change proposal from a state university has been widely criticized by some students and alumni. Plus $2 billion, that's how much the state lottery has made in gross sales since it was created nearly five years ago. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Lawmakers in the legislature's Medicaid committees are looking at removing barriers that prevent pregnant women from receiving timely prenatal care. Medicaid covers two-thirds of births in Mississippi, and any change could have a major impact on the state's program. One policy lawmaker said they want to consider this year is establishing presumptive eligibility. It allows pregnant women to get Medicaid coverage as early as possible, eliminating a coverage barrier that can often delay important doctor visits. Republican Representative Missy McGee chairs the House Medicaid Committee. She tells our Will Stribling this is a policy she has supported for some time and hopes to see it passed this year. So I actually introduced a bill last year on presumptive eligibility for um, pregnant women. My concern is that we have um, women who are eligible for Medicaid, but they are not getting in to see a doctor during their first trimester because once they find out they're pregnant, they go apply for Medicaid. And, um, you know, it just takes a while, um, even on the part of the woman, just to gather up her paperwork and, and get to the um the Medicaid office. And so before you know it, she may be in her second trimester or later. And um, we know that it is so important for moms to have that good first um, appointment with their obstetrician to go over, um, you know, their pregnancy and to learn what to do, what not to do. And so we believe that it is very important for moms and their babies to get into a doctor um, as early as possible. We've heard some concerns from those, those people that aren't sure about it, that they're, they're worried about the, the chance that a woman who is, who is not pregnant getting on Medicaid, Senator Blackwell's solution for that was just to you know, simply require a pregnancy test at the first prenatal visit. Do you think that's a, that's, that's a good policy and way to assuage those fears? Sure. I don't think that there is a, a very, real high risk of having women that um, somehow get on Medicaid that are not pregnant. They, would, they obviously would not, if, 
if they're not pregnant, they're they're not eligible. So yeah, um, you know, my bill leaves the um, the presumptive eligibility up to the division to determine what criteria has to be made um, or has to be met you know, at a, at that first visit, um, maybe it is a positive pregnancy test, proof of in- income. We leave that flexibility to the division to determine. So, um, I think that the risk is actually quite low of, um, there being women who, fi- who get, who are presumptively eligible. And then in the end, find out that they're not. I don't think that, um, that the risk is enough. The, the benefits of having the program to provide for presumptive eligibility for pregnant women far outweigh out, um, any risk in perhaps a few slipping through the cracks and then only to be determined ineligible, you know, a, a few weeks, a month later. Yeah. Can you just talk a bit about just the, the importance, like how critical that prenatal care is in that first trimester? Well, there, there's no doubt. So, sadly, Mississippi is number one in infant mortality and maternal mortality. Those are two lists that, that we should not be at the top of. And I think that there are quite simple things that we can do to address those issues. One of those things is making sure that our moms are healthy um, and we're addressing issues such as high blood pressure, diabetes, um, you know, um, addressing perhaps drug addiction, telling moms they need to quit smoking, um, telling um, moms to take prenatal vitamins, doing prenatal tests to be sure that they are starting off their pregnancy in a healthy way and um, to give that baby every chance for uh, to um, develop in, in the most um, healthy way so that we have a healthy mom at, at term and a healthy baby being born at term. You know, um, the reason that we have the one of the one of the highest one of the main reasons that babies are that we are at the top of the infant mortality uh, list is because we have a lot of preterm babies so we want those babies to go 40 weeks and um the there is a tremendous need for us to get those moms in as early as possible and get them on the right path so they have good health care throughout their pregnancy Everything's on the on the table this session. That includes the discussion around overall expansion. Senator Blackwell said that he hopes to have a, a, a joint meeting of the, the of the you know Medicaid committees from both chambers to have those those discussions. Are you look, looking just looking forward to that being able to examine the, uh, this issue in a way that hasn't been possible in previous sessions? Yeah, I think we're really excited about that opportunity. Um, Senator Blackwell and I have not even had the chance to sit down one on one and discuss sort of our plans for both of our chambers. Um, I look forward to that. I certainly look forward to working with the Senate. I think we both have the desire to move something forward, and we don't really know what that looks like right now, but we know that there are quite a bit of Mississippians who are low-income workers that do not have the benefit of health insurance, and we we believe that um, we need to look at all the options so that we can um, provide possibly provide that for um, Mississippians. We want our state to um, have, we we want Mississippians to have good health care and to do all we can to take care of the people of our state. So I look forward to the debate and the fact-finding and all those things that come along with it throughout the 2024 session. Republican Representative Missy McGee of Hattiesburg chairs the House Medicaid Committee. Coming up, a name change proposal from a state university has been widely criticized by some students and alumni. The latest on that, this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Supporting Mississippi public broadcasting can take many forms. Would you like to sponsor your favorite program or leave a legacy in your will? 
you could purchase our specialty car tag or donate a vehicle. Contribute appreciated stocks or buy a pair of socks from our web store. Do you make an automatic monthly sustaining donation? Connect with the MPB Foundation. Call us up or go to mpbonline.org. Our goal at Everyday Tech is to keep your technology not only working, but working for you. I'm the host, Abram Nanny, and you can join me and my friends Wednesday mornings at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Or search Everyday Tech on your favorite podcasting app or download the MPB Public Media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The Mississippi University for Women, also known as the W, could soon get a new name. Earlier this month, the university announced a proposal for changing their name to Mississippi Brightwell University. Leaders at the institution say that would better reflect a growing diversity in gender enrollment. But some students and alumni say they don't like that proposed name. We talk with Nora Miller, president of Mississippi University for Women, about what's next in this process. We picked that name for a number of reasons. Uh, in deciding what name we would choose, we, we set a few parameters. Um, one was that we were not going to use a compass point. It wasn't going to be a regional or directional name. Um, our, our faculty, our students, our alumni, everyone feels that we are more unique than that, and that doesn't really capture who we are. And also, it can be confused with community colleges in the area. So, no compass points. Then we decided no um, historic or no surnames. Um, it's just too much research that needs to be done going back generations, and then something that may be totally acceptable today may not be 50 years from now. So we, we don't want to use any any family surnames. Um, where we went off track is, you know, we have been Mississippi University for Women since 1974. Prior to that, we were Mississippi State College for Women starting in 1920. So we thought that RW stands for women, and we didn't want to erase that W. So we decided to seek names that did not start with a W. Brightwell we came up with because there are a lot of references to light in our traditions. A literary society uh, in the early 1900s, their motto was, we study for light to bless with light. At each commencement, I tell our, our newest graduates that they are to go forth and be the light. So we liked the light references. We thought that, that was appropriate for a higher ed- education institution. The well, uh, we added that to recognize that our largest um, degree carrying college is the college, or the jo- Bill and Joanne Vandergrift um, College of Nursing and Health Sciences. So wellness is very important to us. We kind of mashed together bright and well, and that's how we came up with it. I see. But we have... We have heard loud and clear um, from our alumni that they want to be able to retain the W. And, you know, I'm a W girl myself, so I, I get that. So we have been listening um, or continue to listen. We kind of hit the pause button. We are taking constructive feedback, and I'm going to reconvene our naming task force on Monday, and we're going to get down to work real quick. 
All right. You were founded in 1884, the first public college for women in the United States. Why not keep that name, Mississippi University for Women? Because we have been co-educational for 41 years. It doesn't describe who we are today. We're very proud of our history and our heritage as being that first state-supported college for women. But college admissions are, are getting pretty competitive, and we can't afford to have anything that excludes any part of our population. So back in May of 2022, our academic dean sent me a letter saying that they felt strongly that it was time for us to choose a more inclusive name. So that's why we're doing it. I understand there was a previous attempt to change the name to Welty University to honor Mississippi's Pulitzer Prize winning author Eudora Welty, but that didn't go through either. Well, that one never really came forward formally. Um, the the earlier attempt um, was for Renault University that would have been named after Sally Renault, who helped to draft the legislation that created our institution. There has been a lot of talk about um, Welty as a name, but the Welty family has um, a foundation that supports the home there, and it also supports their speaker series and some other things. And so that name is not available to us. The name Mississippi Brightwell University Now that you are talking about going back and revisiting that name, does that mean that the change will not go before the legislature for their approval? We expect to have a bill before the legislature for their approval to rename the university during this session. It's looking doubtful that it will be Mississippi Brightwell University. Nor Miller is president of the Mississippi University for Women. Before the institution's name can be changed, it must be approved by the legislature. Republican Donnie Scoggins of Ellisville chairs the House Public Colleges and Universities Committee, and he's also an alumnus of the W. He tells our Mike McEwen any name change would have to go through his committee. As an alumnus, I graduated from there back in the, it was in the mid-80s, and from that point, you know, it was a little bit exclusive to female students and female population. But at that point in time, as a nurse practitioner, that was the only school in the state of Mississippi. And so didn't have much choice other than to go there. With that, I am glad that they want to change the name um, just to become a little bit more inclusive, but also become a little bit more marketable, uh, not only in the state, but throughout the country just to try to get more students involved and and get things going on to let it grow. And what is – you're the chair of the State House's Colleges and Universities Committee. What does the process look look like if a university wanted to change its name in this instance? Do you all have to approve that? Yes, it will have to be approved. And it does have to go through the legislature. Right now, I I think it would be a little bit difficult – because some of the, the legislators from that area are not in full support, but it would be ideal to have all of the legislative community in that vicinity 100% supportive or, or at least close to being 100% unanimously supportive. You know, we'll have to see, but it, it will have to come through here. It will have to be approved by the legislature. And from that point, then um, 
do what we need to do. Republican Donnie Scoggins of Ellisville chairs the House Public Colleges and Universities Committee. Next, the Mississippi Lottery will soon enter its fifth year and has just surpassed $2 billion in gross sales. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB Think Radio. Whatever your taste, news, music, storytelling, or how-to shows. Whatever your city, Natchez, Jackson, Tupelo, Cleveland. However you want. Radio, smart speaker, smartphone app. MPB Think Radio. Family owned. You know, I respect my dad a lot. I know it wasn't easy when he passed the baton to me. But in the end, he realized it was the best thing for the business to sometimes look at things from different color lenses. Family owned, a legacy leadership podcast, exploring family businesses who make up the backbone of the American economy. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or go to mpbonline.org. Antipa Fernandez Bernardo Arevalo was sworn in as Guatemala's president this week, but he worried this day might not come as the ruling class fought to keep him and his anti-corruption party out of office. Democracy is uh, at a difficult moment. What challenges lie ahead next time here and now? Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The Mississippi Lottery Corporation will soon enter its fifth year in operation. This comes as their gross sales since the program was launched in 2020 have surpassed $2 billion in gross sales. In the time the program has been active, more than $375,000 have gone towards funding road and bridge projects. An additional $142 million have been allocated to the Education Enhancement Fund, which helps teachers pay for classroom supplies. Our Kobe Vance speaks with Meg Aniston, Director of Communications for the State Lottery. They talk about how the program is doing and where it could go in the future. We began selling lottery tickets November 25th, 2019, and for the first several years, you know, we're, we're building and growing a lottery and also selling a product. And for us to reach this $2 billion mark in gross sales before we actually turn five years old is just an incredible accomplishment. And we're really excited about continuing our growth and success, offering new games and play styles. So we're, we're very pleased. Now, when you say $2 billion, that's in gross, uh, gross sales, is that correct? Correct. Uh, what's that? Can you put that into perspective for Mississippians? Uh, how do you think that speaks to the popularity of the lottery as a, a segment of the gaming industry in Mississippi? I would say it reflects the player excitement and the retailer support. You know, lottery, we encourage players to play responsibly and to view it as a form of entertainment. And from our standpoint, people are just having fun with it. We are greeting winners every single day. We're returning um, our monthly transfer to the state each month. And it just shows shows the the desire and the popularity. You mentioned just now the uh, transferring to the state. The, the lottery does generate funds that allow the state to invest in roads and bridges projects as well as uh, – helping fund the 
education uh, enhancement fund for teachers, which helps them purchase supplies for their classrooms. What do you think the contributions by the Lottery Corporation has done for Mississippi? Well, so every month, as required by the law, we return our net proceeds to the state of Mississippi. And the law says that up to $80 million in net proceeds goes to benefit road and bridge needs around the state. And anything exceeding $80 million in net proceeds goes to help the Education Enhancement Fund. And so the fact that we're doing that and seeing results from MDOT, they do a great job of listing projects where lottery dollars have been allotted. And then the Education Enhancement Fund has several different um, pots in it that benefit education needs around the state. It makes us really happy to know that we're helping Mississippians in that sense. A lottery has changed quite a bit since, I mean, y'all had to completely kickstart it just uh, four years ago after the law was signed. Can you paint a picture for what has changed and how are y'all evolving? Yes, so I have been with the lottery since the very beginning, and I was one of the first 10 or so employees to start. And at that time, we were just sitting around a boardroom table. Nobody had a computer or an email address, and about five people who were part of that original team were from other lotteries who, you know, came to Mississippi to be part of the startup. And then the other handful of us were from various industries around Mississippi. And it was, you know, it was daunting starting something from nothing. And it's just been amazing as we've added team members to the Mississippi Lottery Corporation, as we've um, moved into an office, as we have started selling games, introducing new games, dealt with you know, the COVID era, I guess, when most people were shut down um, in 2020, you know, we were still going, our retailers were still open. Um, it's, it's just been a lot in a good way, though. You know, it's been exciting, even the unknown, to be so well embraced by the players, the retailers, our vendors. Um, we have a great, great board of directors who is very knowledgeable and supportive. It is so hard to put into words going from nothing, 10 people or so, to where we are today and to see our growth and success, and especially our success in the contributions back to the state. Y'all are reaching the five-year mark pretty soon. What does that mean for y'all, and what do you think the next five years will look like? Well, I'm sure that the next five years, or reaching this point is just kind of like I've said already, it's it's amazing, because looking back to day one, I I did not have a picture painted of what it would look like to be working at a lottery five years into this. The next five years are all about growing more, listening to player feedback, offering the games they'd like to see, play styles they prefer, um, and just contributing more money to the state to help out those two very important needs. How has it been being able to, I guess, look to the players and see how they respond to the different games y'all have been putting out? Player feedback is really important, and our our players offer feedback regularly, and so we've taken a lot of that and used it to offer a better product, to make things uh, easier to understand. We've listened to feedback about the website. You know, it it just it makes a difference when you're offering players things that they want, and they're seeing results from their feedback. 
Is there anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to share with Mississippians about what y'all have going on right now? We have been offering more promotions lately, and these promotions we usually send out a mass email to our Mississippi Lottery insiders, and we promote them on social media, but they typically have no cost to enter. It's just something fun and lighthearted where we give away cash prizes. This summer we gave away a truck and a boat over the Christmas holidays. It was I believe it was just cash prizes, but our players really, really enjoy these promotions that cost nothing to enter, and so that creates a fun environment. So we'll have more promotions in the works, and we'll be introducing some new draw games in calendar year 2024. Well, Meg Anison is Director of Communications at the Mississippi Lottery Corporation. Meg, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.